Okay, there we go. Now you guys can hear me, right? You hear me already before. Okay, okay but say the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life there unto myself, um, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone, preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so labor and ye ought to support the weak, and you remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accommodate him in, in, unto the ship. And so, in this passage, we read about Paul. He gathers um, the various pastors of the church of Ephesus. And um, it looks like, reading the scriptures, that this big church in Ephesus, while they were a church that they were often meeting divided in several different homes. And so there were multiple elders to um, help lead in these um, smaller um, congregations um, of the larger church as a whole. Um, but he see that Paul kept back nothing that was profitable for them. That he gave the word of God to him, the word of grace. That he was pure from the blood of all men. I don't think anybody or very many people could really claim that today. I know I could not claim that. But that basically everybody that Paul came in contact with, he taught them about Jesus. He did everything he could to declare Jesus Christ to them. Repentance toward God. Faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where our focus ought to be. It's on Christ. Colossians 3 Verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. 
And so this year, I really want to encourage you to set your affection on the things that are above. To have this be a year where Christ is not only preeminent in reality, but preeminent to you. That He rules in your heart. And to focus on your relationship with Christ. And we're going to go in detail on these things, but I'm going to mention a few real quick. But it's on our Bible reading. In our prayer life. In learning to trust in God. In our worship. And in obedience in personal evangelism and worldwide missions. And there's going to be other things that we're going to cover month by month. But basically each of these subjects, like we're going to continue to preach through the Gospel of John. Get through it. Hopefully we'll get through it this year. Amen. And, and, but then we'll take a week each month and we'll find different aspects throughout the month to emphasize different aspects. Reading the Word of God, for example, being one of the months where we'll have an emphasis on that. Um, but um, on a relationship with Christ, you know, like Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And with Jesus saying that's the first and the great commandment, I think it serves us well to emphasize that this year and really every year on loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And one aspect we build in our relationship with God is through reading the Word of God. You know that Paul wrote again in verse, or um, Luke wrote about Paul's message in um, verse 32. He says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. That the word of his grace, the word of God, is meant to build us up. It's not just something we're to come in here and be hearers only and not doers. But we're to hear and have it build us up in our most holy faith. To build um, us up, to edify us, to give you an inheritance among them all which are sanctified. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so the Word of God, being that lamp, being that light, will lead us in the way we're to go in following Jesus Christ. And so one of the things to really encourage us is the church to help give each other accountability and, and to really edify, to build each other up. Is um, We're going to um, do a Bible reading plan as a church. Of course, it's voluntarily. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. We have free will. But I'm going to encourage you to be involved and starting in February. Um, and we'll mention again for our business meeting, which is in the last Sunday of the month. And we'll be emphasizing it. But to read through the New Testament in 90 to 100 days. And so it's basically like two to three chapters a day. And we'll have the whole New Testament written. And to help with correspondence, we're going to have a Facebook group. 
um, for those that are online on Facebook to join the church group. And on there, we'll um, share about what we read that day. And then, like, if there's any questions, like, say, um, Quinn asked a question. Man, I, I read in Luke chapter 4 um, about this and this. Um, I don't completely understand it. Um, could someone maybe help me explain it? And then say Sean or Alan or Daniel or um, whoever um, um, would, would say, hey, you know what, this is, this is what, what it means here. You know, I've studied this out, this is what it means. And we kind of, we share that. Or say something speaks to you. Like You're like, man, this, this passage really meant a lot to me. Tell us what you got out of it. Share it. When we're at church the next Sunday, you know, maybe talking about it amongst yourselves, about what was read during that week. And maybe being in place, like say before church, after church services. Like you're sharing with one another. I know not everybody's online. Um, and so for that, we'll make a printout of the Bible reading plan. And so that way you could kind of check a box on what you've been reading. And like when we're at other things, men's breakfast or ladies' coffee break, you could talk about it and mention it. But I just really want to encourage us as a church family to be in the Word of God and to be in it together, um, to, to read it, to, to build us up as a church. As we're built up in our relationship with Christ, we can see a revival happen in our church. And along with our relationship with Christ and reading the Word of God, it's our prayer life. We see Paul in verse 36. It says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. That we want you as a congregation to have more corporate prayer and more different prayer meetings, like where it's a men's meeting, a ladies' meeting. On Wednesday nights, we have an emphasis on prayer before the Bible message. Um, and other events we go to be praying, praying. And in, in the Facebook group, likewise, share your prayer requests. They'll, they'll kind of be a hub for sharing different prayer requests so we can know what we could be praying for. And sometimes we'll hear about needs of that. Um, say, um, uh, say somebody needed help with something in their yard or um, a widow needed help. They could share that in the group. And, and, and we could see a church go, hey, what, what, let's help this person with this task um, and be a blessing to one another. And now we're not trying to move our whole church life to Facebook. Hey, this is what we want to be doing in real life. It's just that is one avenue we could be in communication in, in it. But if there's ever needs needed, you know what, mention it to us here in church as well. And I'm minister. But in prayer, we see Jesus said in Luke 11, 9, And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be open. So words of Christ. You know what? Many times we don't see the blessings we're looking for in life. It's because we're not asking. 
We're not asking in faith. You know what James talks about? Oftentimes we receive not because we ask not. Jesus said that likewise. You receive not because you ask not. But also sometimes when we ask, we maybe pray, but we don't really have the faith. And so really want to elevate us as a church to believe and trust in God in our prayer. James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual, meaning a prayer that causes effect. Fervent. That prayer isn't something that we just kind of put in uh, at the end of the service. But it's something that is serious. We're involving, we're praying, we're seeking God. You look at the Muslims in the Middle East, how they'll stop and pray three times a day. They'll bow down in worship to a false pagan god, a cruel god that tells them to go terrorize people. But they show worship. They show dedication. And how much more we as Christians who serve the true and living God ought to pray unto Him. And in that prayer, trusting in God, we see Paul says in verse 22 of Acts 20, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now, I've heard some preachers mention this passage believing that Paul had like a martyr complex. Like, oh, I know I'm going to die, but I'm going to go do it anyways. I don't believe that's his spirit or his attitude here. Yes, he knows that the spirit witnesses in every city that bonds and afflictions abide in me. But you think about how through the sovereignty of God that he would write epistles that would be from, the pen, the hand, from God for us. And so I believe it is more of he is trusting God even in the afflictions that he knows he is going to face. He knows the trials. He knows the hardships he's going to have in Jerusalem. But it doesn't move him. He's not counting his own life dear unto himself, but that he might finish his course with joy and the ministry that he received of the Lord. And in our life, Whatever befalls us, we need to trust in God. That God will work in the situations in our life. And so I really want to, as a church, learn to trust God. To plead for God's help, for God's provision. To trust Him when we're in the fire, when we're in the trial. To not get mad at God, not to reply against God. But through, like David wrote, through the valley of the shadow of death. To trust that God 
would lead us. Psalm 121.1 says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Look to the Lord for help. To, to this year in 2020, to fret less, to have less anxiety, because our trust is in God. Isaiah 26, 3-4. Go ahead and turn there. Open in your Bible there. It's a great scripture to, to underline, to circle, to memorize. This will help you when you're going through a difficult time. When you're going through times of anxiety or hardship. When you are going through the unknown in life. Isaiah 26 in verse 3 it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That in 2020, you refocus your life on Christ on trusting in the Lord Jehovah, your mind will be at peace. It will have a peace that passes all understanding. And in our worship, to focus on our relationship with Christ in our worship, Bible talks about the four and twenty elders in Revelation 4.10, how they fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. You know, there are times where we search in our life, what is God's will in our situation? Is it God's will for us to um, buy um, this property? Is it God's will for us to move? Is it God's will for this job or whatever it may be? And um, man, there's a testimony. Um, um, Quinn and Mel, you know, they were um, looking to buy a property. And you know what? They end up buying the wrong property. Well, they meant to buy this property, but they bought this property. But it all worked out that it really is the right property because this property they would not have been allowed to build on. But the property next to it, they were. And yes, go ahead, brother. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I guess I should be careful when I say something. Oh, it sounds like I'm outing someone. Like, man, they can't can't choose the property right about. But we see that you know what to like at first. You know what that could be kind of fretting. Oh no, this isn't the right property. But you trust God in it, and how God moves and watches over us. What a bummer it would be to spend thousands of dollars on a property just to look at. Just to go hiking on. <laughs> Maybe you go hunting there. I don't know. <laughs> but to trust God. To see that God 
will work in our life. But, okay, and, and so in trusting them in, uh, and also in worship, or, or looking, that's what we're talking about, the will of God. There's many times we don't know the will of God or we're searching the will of God. One of the things that is the will of God is that we worship. That we were created for God's pleasure. And you know, your joy is the fullest when you're glorifying God. And in our relationship with God internally, there ends up being a heart of obedience that manifests itself externally in personal evangelism and worldwide missions. You know, just the other day, just I believe it was last week, the Pope said Christians are not supposed should not evangelize or try to convert non-believers. Totally wrong. Totally unbiblical what the Pope said. Now the Bible tells us we are to evangelize. The Bible tells us Paul here, he went house to house and he taught publicly. Jesus, after he resurrected before he ascended to the Father, he tells them to go teach all nations. And you know what teaching all nations didn't mean? Go talk about me amongst Christian nations. No, you go to the pagans. You go um, to those that worship idols. You go to the Hindus. You, you go to those that um, believe in the king is their God. To teach all nations. To preach the gospel to them. That Paul said, fear in God, we tremble and try to persuade all men. You know, we've been brainwashed to think that, okay, the two things you don't talk about is politics and religion. When those are the two things that need to be talked about. But most importantly, it's, it's not so much, again, the religion, but it's the relationship with Christ that we need to teach people. We need to spread the gospel. That's what the commission was given to us as Christians, given to the church. Why would the church be here if we're not to try to convert the lost? Now, we don't try to convert the lost like the Catholic Church did in the past by the sword. That's not how we try to convert people. How Islam tries to convert people, either pay this tax, believe, or die. No, but we go, we try to persuade men. If they don't want to hear it, that's up to them. We don't bug them, so to speak. You know, we don't become annoying. Okay? But we are to preach the gospel. And there are times where we preach the gospel and it's resisted by some, but we still preach. We see Stephen was stoned for preaching the gospel. Perhaps someone said, hey, Stephen, you're being annoying. Well, we're still to preach the gospel. It's just we don't force people to believe. That's something the Spirit of God works on their heart and they must respond by faith on their own. And if someone doesn't want to hear, the Bible talks about shake the dust off your feet and go to the nets. Sharing the gospel. Just because someone rejects you once in giving them the gospel or tells you, hey, you know what? No, I don't want to go to your church. When you give them a track. You move on to the nets. We want to 
evangelize is in obedience to Christ. Uh, refocus on Acts 20.20. How I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, church family, we need to refocus on evangelism. We need to refocus on sharing our faith. Or we will fossilize. You know what? We've shrunk in numbers. You know what? If we continue not to evangelize, we will shrink more. But we evangelize. We go forth. We share the gospel. We invite people to come to the church services to hear the preaching. You'll see God bless. You'll see God build His church while we're faithful to doing what He has called us to do. The Bible says if we sow a little, we'll reap a little. But if we sow much, we'll reap much. And part of maybe this last year, we did not reap much is we've sown little. And so this year, I want to encourage, starting with me, but to all of you, to be evangelizing more. And we're going to work on setting different dates. Um, um, we talked about in the trustees meeting last night, we really liked the once a month Sunday afternoon after church. Like we had a potluck, then went out. But we're going to look at other opportunities Wednesday night before church. Um, maybe a Sunday in the month on a Saturday in the morning. But we need to put more effort into getting the gospel out. We need to realize that hell is real. That the lake of fire is true. And if they do not believe the gospel, that's where they're going. And that's where Paul was able to say, I was pure from the blood of all men. If anybody died, went to hell. It was not because of Paul. It was not his fault. Someone did not hear. But oh, how many, if we were to say the rapture was to happen today, how many people are there yet that I have not talked to in this city, in this town, in this county? How many people are there that you have not spoken to about Christ? Friends, family. Neighbors, maybe people you hardly ever talk to. What about bringing them, baking them something, bringing them goods, inviting them to church? Let's we'll strive to be a church where we can one day say we are pure from the blood of all men. That we've done our all to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, a priority to refocus this year on our relationship with Christ. Reading the Word, prayer, trusting in Him, worship, and refocusing on evangelism and obedience to Him. There's other priorities that we're going to emphasize this year as well. Um, but those, the, the relationship with Christ and the sub-points under that, that's going to be our focus. But other things to focus on. Proverbs 4.25 says first, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, 
and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Okay, we must refocus our priorities. Okay, not be so distracted to the right or to the left or through the busyness of life. Life gets busy. But that's where we must prioritize and channel that busyness in the proper channels. Well, another one that we're going to focus on in prioritizing is the family. Of building up the family. Malachi 4.5 talks about Elisha the prophet um, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, how he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. Lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so men, I'm going to be challenging you this year. Hey, you got to have children, grandchildren, to really turn your hearts to your children. To your grandchildren, you know, to your spouse, to your wife. You know, the Bible says, lest I smite the earth with a curse. Our culture, there are so many people, so many children that are fatherless, that don't have a father in the home. And there's many more that have a father in the home but they're not mentally there. And I know as men, as fathers, that's a battle we face. You know, we work, we got to provide for our home. You know, we're maybe not at home all day long where maybe your wife has um, that privilege to be able to do so. But when we are home, we do need to take time on purpose, intentionally, that we are focusing on our family. You know, let me say this. Most pastors maybe would not say this. Okay? But there's going to be times, okay, we're going to have activities as a church. We're going to be doing things. And I'm going to encourage you, be involved in the church activities as much as you can. But there may be times where, say, you've been going through a busy season in life. Work. And you've been busy at church here. But there may be times where you may have to say, hey, pastor, you know what? I'm not going to be able to come to this church work day or I maybe can't come to this event. I really need to focus on my family. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, hopefully I don't hear that all year long. Hey, pastor, I'm focusing on my family. Okay? Okay? Because, you know, our primary focus is on Christ. Christ is to be our focus. But under Christ, Christ does want us to focus on our family. That's where the Bible talks about for the role of bishop and deacon. They must rule their household well. Their children must be in subjection. Their children be in order. That shows a father that has their children's heart. If our family is in order, we're more effectively able to lead and serve in the church. And most rather here on occasion, now, you know, you're not able to go, okay, you know what? We have the preacher's delight this, Tuesday, this Monday and Tuesday night. Now, some things, you know what, that you know ahead of time that are on the calendar, you could try to prioritize, try to do family things at other times, or sometimes look at us, instead of looking at it as exclusive, 
How about, hey, it's a family we could serve the Lord. It's a family we could go to this event. Again, there's times where, hey, you need to go on vacation. You need to do just family. But try to see ways you could serve as a family. Don't look at your children as an inconvenience. The work day, work days, for example. Don't think, oh, you know what? Um, I don't have anyone to babysit my children. Oh, bring them. Teach them to work to serve the Lord. And if we have people, and say you have very little ones, where, yeah, you can't work at all because they're pulling on you the entire time, you know, maybe we'll try, try to have a little nursery, um, someone to watch the kids while we get some work done. But prioritize your family. Don't let your children be fatherless. Grandchildren say they don't have a spiritual influence. Make sure you're there for them. And you know, the Bible says pure religion and undefiled is visiting the widows in their afflictions and the fatherless. Visiting the fatherless. There may be people that come into our church who have no father in the home. There may be times where maybe there's a father in the home, but they're gone in an extended period of time due to work or whatever. Maybe in the future we'll have a military men that may be gone, and we want to minister to those families. People outside of the church to see how we can maybe minister to the fatherless, to be an example to them. And so that's going to be a point of emphasis this year. Now our men's breakfast, we encourage bring your boys. Yeah, they only pay attention for so much and then they want to kind of play games or whatever. And you know, we let them. But you know what? They sit there with the men. They eat breakfast. They share prayer requests with the men. They pray. And you know, we let them um, um, get some time where they can play with their friends. Another thing he emphasized is serving the Lord in the church. About Paul, it says in verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lion and weight of the Jews. Paul was serving the Lord. And in the church, we ought to be serving the Lord. The Bible says, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Commit your works to Him. If you have a talent for the Lord, don't bury it in the ground. Use it. Overcome your fear. Serve the Lord. And it's a church body. Yes, we have different roles. We have different functions. Don't think that in serving the Lord, it means you have to come up here and teach a message. You know, if that's not the area that God's called you in or gifted you in, that's okay. There's other ways to serve God. There could be singing, there could be playing the instrument. A lot of times, I find out later, but there's people practicing, learning the instruments at home, and stuff, and they're starting to do it, but then they never do it in church. And a lot of times, it's because the parents think, oh, you know what, they're still learning. You know, that's okay. Let them be involved. Let them practice. And let, let them serve the Lord. One of the things that we are um, changing, we're adjusting in our church to um, try to uh, um, help families, help the fatherless as well, and also just help everyone in general with people with gen young children. Okay, we've been doing children's church once a month. 
But one thing that's kind of been a little bit of a hindrance for some new young families that would come and visit, they're looking for something for the children, and, and um, they don't feel their children could sit down and sit still, and some of them can't. You know, they haven't been trained yet. And I'm all for getting them trained, but many times we lose families before we could even reach them. And so we are going to have a children's ministry be three times a month. So like with the children gone right now, I'm going to miss, I miss having the children in here, okay? So maybe part of my reason I always want them in here is because, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not greedy, but maybe I'm selfish. I just want to see them all in here. I don't know. But no, the, the heart before was, you know, a family's worshiping the Lord together. But as we're for singing worship, we're still going to be together. But then for the teaching time, we're going to go have them, they could go next door, um, hear a message that's more geared towards their age, help them in their understanding, have a little bit more interaction. Here are you guys paying attention, but you know what, children, sometimes they need a little bit more interaction. And so we're going to offer it three times a month. And that one t- time where they're in here, we're really going to emphasize okay, being together as a family, that being a training time. So you know what, it's not like when children get older, all of a sudden, now they're going to church where it's boring, okay, which we don't want church to be boring anyways, but when you go to where you're all bouncing around or whatever, to then church, sitting down, it's different. And so it gets some kind of practice, but also we're going to really try to have the children serve during those weeks. Have children singing, have children playing the piano. Maybe even having children that feel comfortable doing like a three-minute message. Having children be the ushers. Maybe even have a um, child um, be with Maddie back there learning the sound system. But having the children serve. Having the children passing out the bulletins and stuff. And so we're going to be offering that. And um, how we're going to currently be doing it, Nicole... Um, um, and the helper, she'll be um, doing it two times a month, and then Patty will be doing it once a month. And our goal is to try and get to where we're doing that six months. They'll do that for six months, and then that there will be other people in the church that could fill that role of teaching and helping the children the next six months. And so then for one, that's not going to be like a super long forever commitment like, hey, if I do children's church, I'm never going to be in church over here. But no, you still would be here two or three or one time um, or two or three times a month. But, but it would help with the rotation. It would help, you know what, people would be involved to serve. And so I'm going to ask you guys, you know what, pray about. Would children's ministry maybe be something the Lord would have you to do? And, you know, we wouldn't just throw you in there. You know, we'd maybe have you go in earlier with the others to learn, to get some practice, to see how it goes. But we want to see more people serving in the church. You know, many hands really do make light work. You know, I just saw the other day a video of like 250 Amish men just carried a barn with their hands and move it to another location. Not one man could do that. Not ten men could do that. Took, I think, 250 men around there. Many hands made it light work. And so we want to streamline. I want to streamline even my role as a pastor. 
The, the Bible, as we read in Acts 6, it talks about the reason they called for deacons was so the pastor could be given to the word and to prayer. That those would be the main two priorities. Okay, being a small church, you know, it's kind of been a jack of all trades. You know, doing the building, doing the, um, doing the outreach, preaching, teaching, um, all, all kinds of stuff. Tried to do music before Alan was here, and it was really bad then. But it's focusing. Okay, one, the Bible teaches that. But two, um, you know, um, it looks like the Lord has opened a door um, for me to um, have a full-time management job of a security firm. I still need to talk with the regional manager tomorrow um, before anything's really official. But pray in that light for Lord's will um, to be done, been recommended and everything. Um, but I'll be working um, 40 plus hours doing another job. And so my time is going to be reduced as far as as much as being able to visit people um, as far as during those times. Won't be able to be working on the building as much. And so that's where we need men to be able to rise up here. Again, it's not going to be our focus. Our focus this year is on a relationship with Christ. But we do still have something. We have a handrail. We got the nursery. We need to get that nursery done. And um, so, um, you know, Daniel's going to be kind of overseeing the nursery. Uh, not the nursery. He's going to be overseeing the buildings, the facilities. But, and so instead of people coming to me as much, like say there's a job that needs to be done, to go to Daniel and he could point you to what needs to be done. Um, and he, I'll have him at times announce, say, hey, you know, we need men, maybe after this men's breakfast or um, this other time to tackle this task. And so just need someone that's able to keep on moving the needle, so to speak. Okay, this year, okay, we got the nursery done. Um, that's where boy, Clayton did as the uh, Boy Scouts um, and stuff. But I haven't really been involved in any of it this year. I needed to try through doing another business, provide for our family and stuff. But not much got done this last year. And so by having someone else in charge of overseeing it, Okay, it doesn't mean he's going to be here 24-7, always doing work or even every week. But to kind of oversee it will help facilitate, get other people involved. You know what, maybe there's a room, you know what, there's the one room right across the kitchen. All the time it ends up filling up. But you know what, maybe Daniel could have that delegate someone, you know what, have this be your room where you keep this room tidy and clean. And you just want to guard your spirit, be careful, you know, when it gets messy again, you know, don't have a bad attitude, but by someone being on top of it, we could be where if like, hey, no children, you know what, let's not add stuff to this room. Just because you clean the fellowship hall doesn't mean everything goes in this room. Um, or like even say application Bible school. You know, we want other people to be responsible for not filling it up, but just kind of having people, you know, hey, clean this room or whatever. Um, and, and so serving as a church body, um, streamlining, was most important in my role as a pastor. <clears throat> in verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over to which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God which they have purchased with his own blood. And so when I'm off work, 
instead of having to worry about different things in the building. I need to focus on my time on saying, hey, going to Quinn's house or whatever, and maybe we do some discipleship, go to Lauren's house or whoever, where we go over the Word of God, we teach it and build people up. That's what I need to be focusing on. And so as a church body, really want to encourage everybody to find your role, to find a way to serve the Lord. Paul's heart here was, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Now in the scriptures, we see Paul taught both of these things. Paul taught the church to provide, to support the pastor so as much as possible he could focus on the ministry. A church our size, you know what, isn't able to really financially support in full. And so we see that Paul, though um, he said that, you know what, with him, he did not use that power to be supported by the church, but he worked with his hands out of necessity. That, 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 that he worked that, and that's what I'm going to need to have to do. But that means, I know I'm just repeating myself now, but when I am focusing on passion, I need to focus on less of these other things and focus on you as the people, building you up in the Word of God, on evangelism. And that's where I need you guys, need your help. That's why we're asking, calling for a deacon. We need to look at serving in the community, finding different ways we serve in the community. You know what, last year or the previous year, Quinn had the idea of helping it save family ministries, and we brought gifts to those mothers and those children that come from abusive relationships or were trying to get reform in their life, um, getting over drug abuse or whatever it may be, um, but most often domestic abuse, and so we try to be a blessing to them. There's many opportunities out there. Well, I'm not the most creative idea seeker in that. And so if you have ideas, the Lord lays something on your heart, you know what, mention it. And maybe there'll be a way we could get involved in serving the community in different ways. Another way, another part of emphasis this year will be we'll have a series on stewardship of finances. Now, a lot of times when people talk about stewardship, you're like, oh, I don't want to hear that. That's just going to be about giving. No, that's going to be one element of it. This part of the Christian life is learning to trust God, to tithe. That when God tells us to give upon the first day of the week, to trust God. Instead of looking at it as, well, do I have any money at the end of the month? then I might give a little bit. Trusting God that, hey, you know, I'm going to give in the beginning. And I'm not speaking, you know, but it's just that God gets our first fruits, the first fruits of our increase. And that takes faith. That takes trust. But in stewardship, it's going to be much more than that. It's going to be on budgeting, you know, maybe learning to budget, being a good steward of what God has given us. You know what? Learning to build wealth. You know, so you can give unto your children's children. 
to maybe um, have multiple streams of income outside of your regular income. Not to be quick, hasty to be rich. You know, the Bible says that he's hasty to be rich, shall not be innocent, that there'll be as, the richest will be as wings of eagles that fly away. But how much more we can do if the Bible, you know, let me read this passage first, and I'll say in Luke 16, or first in verse 35 of Acts 20, it says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. And you remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So you see the giving aspect there, but you're laboring to help support the weak. So in Luke 16, 10, it says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is, least, is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, okay, talking about finances, money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Okay, the Bible teaches us to be good stewards of finances. Now, the Bible talks about, yes, you know what? The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, you look at just about every crime out there, the root of it, is for the love of money. It's, it's the greed. Okay, when I'm talking about building wealth, I'm not talking about, you know, with a heart of greed. But of a heart, you know what Paul said? Labored of my hands, that I could support the weak. But imagine, you know, if you get build up what health, healthy financially, not for like this promise, like, hey, you give this and $100, God's going to give you $1,000. No, we're not talking about the prosperity gospel. Yes, the Bible teaches, you know what, give and you shall receive. You know what, God provides and all that. But not the way the prosperity gospel preachers will say it. But imagine if we were able to get out of debt. Okay, I'm not talking about our church doesn't have any debt. Okay, but I'm talking about personally, each of us, if you're in debt. If you were able to get out of debt, how much easier it is to build financially. The Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes, you know, it given you seven or the eight in portions about, you know, it diversifying. That if Christians, instead of having a poor mentality of, of like, you know what, we're meant to be poor, that we're meant to be in poverty. And, you know, and understand the sovereignty of God. You know what? God could use times of poverty, times of famine to teach us, to build us, to build us in the wilderness. When you look at many men that God used in the Bible, we see Moses, we see Job. They were very healthy people. I mean, wealthy. Wealthy people. They had much substance. And if God's people learn to build wealth in a biblical, a godly way, with the heart of contentment, how much more we can do? You know what? Evangelizing the world, it takes money. It takes money to support missionaries. And say we help us as a church, individuals, to learn to get out of debt. To learn to maybe make a little bit of an income over here to help us get out of debt. Or to give to a particular need. We could change the world. We could change, maybe not us individually, it's the whole world. But piece by piece, we can make more of a difference if we know how to be better stewards financially. 
And that's where Jesus says, if we don't even learn to be stewards in little. Okay, money is not the main thing at all. Jesus even calls it, you know, okay, it's little. But if we're not faithful in that which is little, how are we going to be faithful in that which is much? How are we going to be faithful in the, if we can't be faithful in the material things, how are we going to learn to be good stewards of the spiritual things, which are of utmost importance? And so we're going to have a time this year where we'll focus on learning to be good stewards and, and learning this. And, um, but ultimately, this year, we want to refocus on our relationship with Christ through reading the Bible, through prayer, through worship, through trusting in God, through being obedient and evangelizing the world. And the other things, the family and the other things, still fall right in place as we're following Christ. Now let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And um, take time of prayer, and you know what, maybe pray who, you know what, the Lord would impress upon you to nominate um, to serve as a deacon, and uh, um, you pray about it, and then um, we'll have to offer in place pass um, for you to put in. If you want to pray about it longer to wait till next week, that's fine. Um, but let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Emily Father, we just pray and ask you, Lord, to help us to refocus this year so easy to get distracted with busyness and there's seasons where we have to take those distractions where we need to be busy you know you didn't call us to be idle but help us to be stewards of our time where it's most profitable in building our relationship with Christ you said draw nigh unto the Lord and you'll draw nigh unto us